Welcome to Crime and Plastic, a gripping podcast where I, Dr. Miami, one of the world's top plastic surgeons, and my co-hosts, Santina and Rosie, delve into the often unseen world where true crime and plastic surgery intersect. Each week, Dr. Miami will share his expertise and insights into the complex world of cosmetic procedures, while Santina and I give you the shocking details of criminal investigations. From notorious criminals undergoing drastic transformations to evade the law, to even our own personal encounters with true crime and plastic surgery, all will be uncovered. So sit back, relax, or or don't, don't, because this is Crime and Plastic. Welcome back, everybody, to Crime and Plastic, the podcast that tells you about crimes that have to do with plastic surgery. We're going to continue following a very close to home plastic surgery murder case. We're going to give you some updates on the Tom Kozowski case that's been going on. Doctor, before we get into that, do you have a do you want to do your world minute or are you out of stories? I have stories. There's always, you know, every week I Google hoping there'd be no stories, but there are stories. Paid with her life. Who? She went to Mexico for plastic surgery. Two months later, she was dead. A Houston mother who lost her daughter to the infection is hoping to send a warning to people thinking about getting surgeries outside the United States. That fungus infection? Yeah, the fungal meningitis. Is it still a thing? Or like eleven people? Did they find? Did they find the source? Like, did they fix the problem? I think they found the source of the clinic. Yeah, in Matamoros. I think it's in Matamoros. Can you survive fungal meningitis? It's difficult. You have to recognize it quickly. And then I think you have to inject like intrathecal antifungal medication. What's intrathecal? Like into your spinal cord or something like that. Is that fungal meningitis isn't covered by the vaccine, is it? By what vaccine? Meningitis vaccine. No, no, it's not. No, meningitis just means inflammation of the meninges. What the fuck are meninges? It's like the the lining of the brain. And that's the central nervous system. The meningitis vaccine is against a specific bacteria. Is there viral also? Meningitis? There is viral meningitis, but there's no vaccine for that. I don't think so. The viral one is worse, right? No, they're both bad. They're both bad. I have the bacterial what? vaccine. Oh, you got it already? Yes. Good the, for you. The, well, I had to get it in college. Right. Because apparently it spreads. Yeah. Correct. That's a vaccine that Melissa McCarthy's always talking about, isn't it? Mm. Is she? I don't know. Not Melissa McCarthy. What the fuck is her name? Jennifer from, McCartney? Je, the one, Santa baby. She's in the movie. I have no idea what you're talking what? about. What? Let's just say get your meningococcus She's vaccine. She's a McCarthy. But that still won't help you from a fungal... No, it won't stop a fungal meningitis. Yeah, it's a terrible story. There was... Jenny there McCarthy. Was a, thank you. There was a clinic in yes. Mexico, in Metamoros, Mexico, where apparently there was a contaminated vial of something they were using for spinal anesthesia. So we use general anesthesia, so we don't have that issue. But if you're going to do, some people do tummy tucks with spinal anesthesia. That's like an epidural? Like an epidural, exactly, an epidural. And I guess they injected and it went into the brain. No epidural for me Very ever. Difficult so that's like what ha- that's what happened in The Last of Us, guys. And fungus is not to be fucked with. Doctor said sometimes the symptoms take up to nine months to develop. So if Nine you, months? So they're asking people who went to that clinic in Metamoros to get checked and... So you could die after nine months. You're not like in the wood, like you're not in the clear right away. No. Can your immune people's immune system fight this and you don't get sick? I suppose so. All right. So Sad. be careful where you go. We've said this several 
bunch of times on this podcast. Well, I, I would imagine that it's possible that a clinic may also face criminal charges. Yeah. So that could be an episode in the so future. So be careful where you decide to have plastic surgery, injections, who you go to, do your research. Right. Be careful. So now we're back. Santina's going to give us the newest update on Tom Kozowski. Just to briefly recap who Tom Kozowski is. He is a plastic surgeon from Tampa who has been accused of murdering a lawyer that was the opposing counsel on a lawsuit that he was a part of. He was basically suing his old employer. A plastic surgeon. Yes, his old plastic surgeon employer for negligence, the way they managed the business and it was harming him. It was harming Tom's reputation. So he decided to sue them. This was like a very long going legal battle for it was going on for four years. And suddenly the opposing counsel disappeared suspiciously. And Tom was found with incriminating evidence. With a <laughs> video evidence. Video evidence. Eyewitness um, evidence. There was a lot of, there was a large amount of evidence that pointed to Tom killing Steve Kazi. So he's been arrested, indicted, charged with first degree murder, and they are seeking the death penalty. So last time we spoke about him, we went over like the police investigation, how they arrested him, evidence that they had. And now Tom has uh, wants to get out on bail. So they have a bail hearing to set the bond. And we're going to find out what happens in this hearing right now. Let us know, Santina. Wait, I want to briefly talk about because <laughs> when he was arrested, there was like a what is it called? Like a burden of proof? Yes. Or to get an indictment. And the evidence was like very little. Like really all they had was that, that Toyota Tundra. And then they found blood, but they didn't know that it was like Steve's blood, whatever. Right. But since then, since he's been indicted and like pled not guilty, all this stuff. Oh my God. The evidence that's come <laughs> out against Tom is fucking wild. Like on his Amazon, they found, like I said, he had purchased two wagons. What if you, do you, if what you, do, you do with the second wagon? <laughs> in <laughs> Miami. It's in Wait Miami. So if, if you didn't Maybe listen, he was coming down here. I know. I'm like, who is his uh, victim here? If you didn't listen to the first episode, the morning that Steve goes missing, there's a figure next to a Toyota Tundra and it's pulling a wagon, right? With a body in with it. With a body in it. What they, they don't see the body, but they say that there's a bag. It looks like there's a body in it that are from the surveillance. Tom bought two wagons, one black, one red. The black one was sent to his Tampa location and the other one was sent <laughs> to his Miami home when they arrested him they recovered the red wagon from his miami home but they never recovered the black one so he threw that out he threw it with the garbage he i think he threw it with the garbage why did he throw out the murder bag he's so dumb I and mean, he's a great surgeon a terrible murderer but it's like weird because at first they said that they just found him with the paralyzing agent duct tape you said something like brass knuckles brass knuckles well, who, who uses brass knuckles? but they didn't find any like evidence like they didn't find any DNA evidence on those things. They also later it came out that when they arrested him, they found that he was with his United States passport as well as his Polish passport, which is really important when he's asking to be let out on bail Yeah. before the trial because Poland is in the EU and the EU will not extradite someone if they're facing capital punishment in the United States. Oh. So the police are like, if he goes to Poland, we're fucked. Like, we're not getting him back. Did he buy a ticket to go to Poland? He didn't he, buy anything. He didn't make any travel arrangements. That just slipped his mind. 
passport, check. Keys, check. Wallet, check. Tickets. Maybe he wanted to buy it straight at the airport so they didn't have like a heads up on like where he was going. Do you ever do that? Have you ever bought a ticket at the airport? No, but I've never murdered someone and tried to escape. No. Did they let you do that? His defense said. Of course they let you. You go to the ticket counter and you buy a ticket. And that's it. You just say, I'd like a ticket to Poland, please. It's like they let you upgrade to business class at the counter and let you buy a ticket too. Nice. They also found him with $280,000 in cash. Oh, that's enough. Which was not in the uh, burden of proof to get the indictment. That's later. So they did the hearing. He wants what he was requesting. So basically bail. he's requesting pre-trial release. Mm-hmm. He wants to go home and, oh my God. Paris defense in the comfort of his own home, which is pretty common. I mean, people usually ask for bail. They set it like high and then they they give you an ankle bracelet. I don't think think it's so common in capital cases though to get bail. Oh, okay. So I'll tell you, get your paper, Santina. Let's hear this bail hearing transcript. Yeah, what a dummy. (laughs) I mean, Tom, we don't mean it. You didn't say your disclaimer this time. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of a joke while we're waiting for to find the thing. This guy in Soviet Russia calls the KGB. He says, I lost my parrot. I said, why are you calling us for the KGB? He goes, yeah, well, if you find him, I disagree with everything he says about Stalin. You also, you were telling me before that you have a new fear that was unlocked today. What yeah, my, happened? My fear, apparently there was a Delta Airlines flight where some dude had diarrhea all the way down the aisle. Like, I guess he was going to the bathroom and he couldn't hold it in. And so they had to turn the plane around and land because I guess it was that the smell was so overwhelming or it was a biohazard. Right. So this is while they were taxiing? No, they were in the air. So they landed? Yes, they flew way way back. They flew all the way back. Where were they leaving from? They were on their way to Barcelona, ended up in Shitsville. <laughs> See, Santina, maybe sometimes people need to use that bathroom. Yes. No. I actually <laughs> we were just talking about how when you need to go to the bathroom, especially for diarrhea on a plane, <laughs> you must go to the bathroom. And meanwhile, Santina said, no way, no how. <laughs> and here, not a week later, we see an entire plane load of people <laughs> have to get turned around and go back home because they wouldn't listen to Dr. Miami. <laughs> you did actually say you'd rather shit your pants. I would be that person walking down the aisle, like, biohazardously <laughs> <laughs> shitting down. I Wait a know. minute, where were you last week? How, how? Did you try to go to uh, Barcelona? How old was the person? Was it older? I, I think they're going to keep that private for now since it, it was a medical event, I would imagine. So, yeah, I Yes. So they were over the Atlantic Ocean and had to turn back. Yeah. Where did it leave from? Atlanta. 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 So they flew all the way back to Atlanta. Yeah. Did you ever have to land emergency landing for medical reasons? You know what? I can't remember if it was me or a movie. I had to land once. I don't remember where I was coming from, actually. I Somewhere in Europe. And we had to land in Halifax. Someone was having like a heart attack or something. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. That is crazy. I've had medical events on planes. Where they've asked for doctors and I get up. Okay, so we're so yeah. now I I think we're more on the side of pooping on the airplane. Agreed. Yes, I fe- I feel like <laughs> that the, should settle the argument. Use the you toilet. guys are on that side still. <laughs> I maintain my position, and that's why no one's going to fly with you. I told you this episode is brought to you by tight sphincters. Uh, that wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're <laughs> after that interlude. Hope you guys enjoyed our ongoing poop debate. It'll probably come back again in future episodes. It's still unsettled. So Florida actually has special laws in their constitution about pretrial release in cases that involve capital offense. Okay. Mm -hmm. So under Article 1, Section 14, 
anyone accused of a crime is eligible for pretrial release unless they stand accused of capital offenses. Capital means the death penalty. The death penalty. Or life without parole. And the state of Florida can establish by evidence that proof of guilt is evident or the presumption of guilt is great. So basically there's like two parts. There was like two parts to this hearing. So number one, the prosecution has to basically prove that he well, should... One, either of those, not no. both. Both. No, either, either, either that okay. there's evidence that shows that this person is like likely guilty, likely guilty, or that the presumption is like so great that you should not release them. So the first part is that the prosecution has to convince the judge that this person doesn't have a right to be like, he doesn't necessarily have a right to be released. But even if the judge says, okay, yeah, I'm waiving your like right to pretrial release, the judge can still rule to release them if the defense proves that they can be released and still keep the community safe and ensure that the person is going to come back to court. Not going to flee. So, yeah. So not the, going to kill another lawyer or so a witness. The, <laughs> so first, the burden of proof is with the prosecution and to then, show that this person should not be released. Then the burden of proof is on the defense to show if the judge decides, okay, yeah, you're right, this person shouldn't be released. They have to convince the judge that basically, okay, regardless of the fact that they Guilt might or be not. guilty yeah. or that they're like the evidence is there or the presumption is great we can still keep them at home safely we can ensure that they're going to come back show up to court that are they don't need to be here that being said the prosecution shows up and pull up with like all the evidence i was telling you about like the amazon that they found him with like the murder bag surveillance cameras the cash the passports the cash they also say that there's like once they do more forensic testing they find that there's a mix of tom and steve's blood in the bathroom they say that there's tom's fingerprints in the breaker room ah, which where the lady saw him oh. planting the bag so the, if the so what was what was he trying to do in the breaker room he was planting the just the wagon, the wagon, the wagon right? Maybe, maybe, the, maybe was, the wagon he, had murder stuff in it. He wasn't trying to do something to the cameras. Maybe he was. That's not what they said, though. I thought he was like in the electric room trying to figure like how to not get on video no. later. He was just trying to find a place to stash his wagon. Yeah, this kill okay. bag. And then they also say like when he's found, he was found with like I had said before the Polish passport and the American passport. And if he flees to Poland, we'll never get him back because Poland's in the EU and they don't extradite people that are facing the death penalty in the United States. Also, the prosecution has four people testify. So first they have Jake Blanchard testify, who's Steve's old boss. And he has a lot of nice things to say about him. I got some quotes because we talked a lot about Tom and fuck Tom. Poor Steve, guys. So let's hear about like who Steve is and okay. what kind of guy he was. So Jake Blanchard met Steve at some professional kind of networking event mm -hmm. where people in all different times of line of work would like come. They would do a little speech, like talk about what they do. Da -da -da, and then there would be like a social hour. So Jake Blanchard was coming in to like he was there just like substitute for his friend who was supposed to go. And he ended up seeing Steve do his little speech. And he thought that it was like so funny and witty. And so afterward, he like went up to him during the social hour. They exchanged information and they went like their ways but they ended up being friends on facebook and steve was working in family law but and then at some point in like i think 2017 or 2018 he wrote on facebook that he was looking for a new job so jake blanchard reached out to him and he was like oh like let's get some coffee let's talk about maybe you working for me long story short jake blanchard hired steve to be his sole associate blanchard law literally has three employees it's their paralegal jake and steve 
So they were super tight. He said that like him and Steve ended up becoming like really like best friends. They worked really close together and that even though it was his law firm, ultimately all the cases were him. He trusted Steve like entirely. But he said that like this was Steve's second career and that before that he lived in New York and he had like a boyfriend of 10 years. So like Steve is older. He must be like in his 40s. He says outside of work, Steven enjoys running marathons and spending time with his cat Saffron. Yes. And so Jake Blanchard said, Steve became my little brother. We would go running on the weekends and text each other stupid jokes at night. And occasionally we'd complain about our spouses like we all do. So he just became one of my closest friends. He fell in love with Michael and they were going to get married. And he asked me to stand up with him at the wedding. And I was in his wedding. He was always joking and making movie references. He had a brain that would trap information and then just bring it out in the most odd times. And it was so much fun to see what he would do and say in situations like that. But he was a social guy. He was pretty outgoing. So he seemed like a really sweet guy. Yeah. Anyway, so they had Jake Blanchard testify and talk about because Jake Blanchard was the one who reported him missing that day. Right. Okay. Moving forward, they have Jake Pillsbury testify, who's the defense for the... He's one of the co-counsels of the def- like, defense and the lawsuit that Tom started that ended in Thebes. Pillsbury death. just has that one... Yeah. So basically, if you didn't listen to the first episode, when Tom sued his employer, he also sued like a bunch of other people that were kind of involved, like in total five people and Steve Causey represented four of them and this guy Jake Pillsbury represented one so Jake Pillsbury and Steve worked closely together because they had like a common plaintiff okay so then Jake Pillsbury was like he also said that he became kind of close with Steve throughout this Mm -hmm. case because he said they kind of bonded over how difficult Tom was to work with and that like because Jake Pillsbury ended up taking on this case later on Steve would like spend hours with him like kind of catching him like bringing him up to date on the case and like sending, sending him information that he was super nice and Jake Pillsbury was actually like he's like it's surprising that Tom would go after Steve because I was way ruder he's like Steve had like so much patience he was really nice with him the judge had a lot of leeway he's like I don't even like get it also Jake Blanchard said the boss Steve Causey's boss so in the last episode I referenced this deposition that happened where Tom was taking this person's deposition and Steve and Jake Pillsbury kept objecting and Tom got really frustrated so they ended up taking a break in the middle of the depot and Steve went to the bathroom tom followed him called him a scumbag right he said i'm gonna win either way like some one way or another i'm gonna win and when steve got back to his desk he texted his boss jake blanchard like oh my god look at what tom just said to me in the bathroom and apparently jake blanchard his boss stormed in at like in the middle of the depot like close to when it was finishing Mm -hmm. that he had like read the email Mm -hmm. and he started like kind of screaming at tom and being like this is so inappropriate you're super inappropriate and he tried to like he basically almost ended the depot because he was trying to kick him out and after that they were they told Tom that he wasn't allowed in the building anymore. Oh, wow. Like they wouldn't move forward with any proceedings at the building because like Tom was like super inappropriate for costing Steve. So they had Jake Blanchard. They had Jake Pillsbury testify. And at the end of all their testimony, the prosecutor asked, would you feel safe if Tom was let out on pretrial release? And they're like, fuck no. Ever since this has all come out, like me and my wife are scared. Like he's like, if Jake Pillsbury said if Tom was released, I would shutter my houses like a hurricane and not leave. He's like, I don't go anywhere without a gun he's like I'm a grown man and I'm scared because like what's the most that Steve did to him other than his job and look at what he did he's like you know like he's a danger to society so they two testify and then they have excuse me Tommy for listening I also carry (laughs) 
I also would not feel safe. If he was. I know. <laughs> so then the third person they had testify was the woman who saw Tom in the breaker room yes. the week before Steve went missing. The one who cleans the bathroom for the other half of the building. Right. So if you didn't listen to the other episode, a week before Steve went missing, aka Tom killed him allegedly, this lady who works in the building said that she got there super early and she opened up this breaker room because she was trying to fix like the lights to be in accordance with the time change. And when she opened the door, there was a man in like casual shirt and jeans and she was like freaked out. She like closed the door again and she opened it and she was like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And he was like, oh, there was a power outage reported. Like I came to fix it. And then he like scurried off and she ended up like following him. She saw that he got into a Toyota Tundra. With New Jersey plates. She she turned out to be a key witness. She really did. And she, this is crazy. Like I would have, I I don't think I would have done this, but if you listen to the last episode, you know, but she says she listens to a lot of true crime or whatever. So when she saw the guy get into his car and how suspicious he was, and then it also occurred to her that she had already seen him in the building previously, she began to think that he planted like a bomb or something in the air vents. So she called the police and she filed a report about that guy being there, which later we find out is Tom because they found his fingerprint in the breaker room. When she's on, when they call her to testify, does she identify Tom as she yes. saw? Oh. Yeah. Uh, Pretty clear cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did they, does the defense offer like any rebuttal to these witnesses or like what they're saying so the defense rebuttals every single witness except for the last witness which was steve's husband which makes sense like they don't want to look like they're like attacking right this missing man's husband right. but yeah their rebuttal like offers fucking nothing like with jake blanchard the thing that they kind of try to get across is the fact that steve was a recovering was in recovery right from, like alcoholism and he was like surely if you're his friend if you guys are this close you know that about him and he's like yeah like oh and then also recently like in the months leading up to all this Steve had started taking like anti-anxiety meds and Jake Blanchard had been like one of the people to tell him like oh you should go talk to someone seek help about this anxiety that you're telling me about and like so when they have the fourth testimony is Steve's husband Michael and he says that like Steve would come home and talk about him and they refer to him as like the crazy doctor because of like how wild he was and he but he never knew Tom's name but he said like he could tell that it was like stressing him out also Jake Pillsbury's wife the other defense guy his wife literally was like I don't like that guy like be careful because Jake Pillsbury knew all the shit that was going on with how Tom oh, acted in wife. the lawsuit and he, he would tell his wife and his wife was like I don't trust that guy like I don't feel comfortable about this whole thing and they were saying this for months like wow. also with Jake Blanchard they tried to like discredit him because at first the prosecution asked Jake like oh the day that Steve went missing the police asked you like did do you know anyone who would try to harm Steve and Jake Blanchard said yes Tom Kozowski right. so then the defense came in and they were like are you aware that you were being recorded during that conversation throughout the entire interaction through body cam and Jake Blanchard's like yeah he's like I'm not sure I'm aware but I'm not surprised either right. and then the defense is like so did you say that Tom is someone who would harm Steve or did later on when they asked is there an attorney that he's been having right. issues with did you say Tom right. so they kind of try to like they basically went in there trying to like muddle so was it the, the first day we came and he thought of it was like right. 10 seconds later he thought yeah. right. they were like the, the defense was like you didn't immediately say that Tom was someone who would hurt Steve you he had to you think were about prompted <laughs> by the police when they asked a second following question splitting heads yeah so they like the defense kind of just comes in there and like tries to muddle the water with the lady who saw Tom in the breaker room she first identified Tom when Tom was arrested not uh-huh. at, not the police station but when he was arrested his photo was all over right. right a 
another girl who works in the building came up to her and was like oh my god this guy was arrested in connection with steve and then she was like do you think this is the guy you saw in the breaker room that day uh-huh. and she said yeah so then the defense is like well do you watch the news right so the defense is trying to basically insinuate that like she she's not really sure she wasn't sure she, she just, in her mind maybe like made a memory of it being like, that person because she didn't identify tom as the person who was in the breaker room before tom was publicly arrested right they're saying you've been unbiased like uh, unconsciously yeah. persuaded by yeah. the news right. but she's like i don't even watch the news <laughs> <laughs> i don't like, even wear underwear she was like the first time How i can even those saw be my underwear she's like the first time i even saw tom or any of this stuff was when that girl from my building showed it to me like right. the girl in the building which was two weeks after he had been arrested right. so she was like i don't watch the news like do you know the reference i was just making just as an aside do you watch making a murderer making a murderer on netflix it's no. a great true crime thing there's a new season out now called convicting no they called convicting a murder something mm-hmm. like that let out of jail making a murder, making murder. that's great anyway there's a great scene like in the first season right where the, he's accused of murdering this lady and they said they, they found blood-stained underwear and the defense straight out of like the simpson goes it's completely impossible Stephen avery doesn't own any underwear <laughs> <laughs> but it actually, it's like the dumbest craziest you, ass defense but it does seem like he wouldn't own underwear <laughs> you watched it yeah it Stephen does avery. seem like it but still <laughs> and that, that came up in court like that so another one of the defense's tactic with uh, Jake Pillsbury was that by the law they're allowed to like in testimony they're allowed to allow hearsay yeah. so what do you mean you can allow hearsay in, like in bail hearings and in like in the indictments and things like that there's not oh. the, the, the evidence rules are not so strict just when the actual oh. trial starts yeah so oh. they don't they, the defense can't really object to hearsay right. because it's allowed at these like uh, right. pre-trial release testimonies right. so like, yeah. if, like, like if one of these guys testified and said my wife said he looked like a murderer that's hearsay but it counts as something also mm-hmm. the fact that yeah because you're trying to show like it's like a different burden of proof because you know they want to know if he's likely to be a hard anxiety and, right. that kind of, so they're and more i'm lax. assuming he got rejected wait so we'll get there okay. so jake pillsbury please <laughs> they said they said to jake pillsbury <laughs> for my own sake jake pillsbury was like they were saying he was never all the things he said happened between steve and tom he never firsthand witnessed right so right. like tom approaching steve in the bathroom that was steve telling that to jake blanchard and jake pillsbury but neither one of them was there right oh they also they wanted jake pillsbury to identify tom as the man who attended that hearing on march 21st they wanted him to confirm that tom was at that hearing or like on the phone the virtual hearing yeah but, but the, was it zoom or was it it was telephonic ah. so then jake pillsbury was like yeah i know his voice right. and they were like do you though <laughs> <laughs> like how well do you know how long have you been on the case like how can you identify his voice? also that deposition that like the whole thing between tom and steve went down wouldn't it be he recorded was also, though the virtual hearing no so hearings oh. depositions well depositions you have to have a court reporter but yeah. hearings they're not recorded oh. unless you hire a court reporter yeah, but you still have but to, like, a telephonic a, hearing should always be recorded like why, why is it not recorded well first of all they didn't start doing those telephonic hearings until covid i hear you but like it seems like i thought they easy, would be an easy thing but you have to pay for a court reporter court reporters like you can't trust the technology like you have to have someone literally there to dictate and they oh. need to be certified so, and all this did tom claim he was not at this hearing the yeah. way it sounded yeah. like yeah. when you described it is the dude went into the office early in the morning waited for for steve right killed him in the bathroom brought his body out to his car and then took left the- it in the parking lot took a phone call for 30 minutes with a judge and this other guy then put the body back in the car then went somewhere switched no it, he didn't it. even he literally walked into the parking lot and according to like the whatever everything and the surveillance the cart was still out he literally was standing next to the cart like it's not even like he got into the car like they literally see the guy stopped on his phone for 15 to 30 
minutes, but it's over the phone. Right. It's not Zoom. So he, he took this call with a judge standing over the body. But it lasted like 15 to 30 minutes. Has Tom ever made any statement? No. Like, other than the like, plea of not guilty. Yeah. It's the type. But he hasn't. So <laughs> I think, so finally, what could he say? I mean, an explanation of how like. I know it looks not. bad. <laughs> but he, he was he sleeping. He could say like I was framed. That it had a body double. The defense, the, they started asking Jake Blanchard like, isn't it true that there are some homeless people that sleep out of your building? And oh. he's he's like, maybe like I, I, maybe I've seen one or two. And they were like, census hearing allows hearsay. <laughs> Have you heard anyone in your building refer to a homeless people problem surrounding your building? Right. And he's like, I might have heard like one woman say something. And they were like, were those people sleeping inside the building or outside the building? And he's like, from my memory, outside. Right. So maybe the defense is trying to like oh, per, make it per seem doubt like somebody else killed him. Or like make it seem like there was <laughs> only his fingerprint and put it in the breaker room. Like, maybe he found the body already dead and was just doing a society service by disposing the body. Okay. That's going to be a tough defense. That's going to be a really hard. That's why I don't know why he's not pleading. At least to take the death day off. Well, he just filed a right of habeas corpus. What's that? Is you have the? It's like a. I've told you this. It's like a catch-all thing to say you were falsely accused and like you asked the court for relief to uh, release. Complete on what ground? They usually, they have different grounds. Yeah. But it didn't say what in the. Yeah. Right. In it's the, just like a, it's like a constitutional right that you have in it, common just, law. Do you always try that as like a last ditch thing. They, they do it like several yeah. times. While yeah. You're on when death they penalty. deny your bail or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or just like yeah. It's like this is out of order. Let me go. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. So listen. Let's move forward with the. So we're still in the first part of the bail hearing. So and then the fourth testimony is Michael, his husband. He kind of talks about their relationship. He says that so Stephen was my husband. He was my best friend. He was my partner. You know, we made every decision together. We built a home together. We adopted two cutest puppies in the world. You know, he was just my whole world. Is the best way I can sum it up. He said that they met online in May of 2018. They met for the first time in July on July 13th of 2018. They went to dinner at a sushi style restaurant. After that, they went to his house, watched a movie, and the rest was history. He said it was pretty obvious where my heart was going from that first date. Apparently that morning, Steve had texted Michael, his husband, or no, Michael would text Steve like five hearts every morning or something like that. And then Steve responded something about, I don't remember, he said he responded something like mundane, like uh, I can't remember what it was, like a chore. Mm. And that was like the last text he ever got. He said that they got married in October 17, 2020 in Homosasa in the parent backyard. So they're um, only married two years. Two and yeah. a half. Yeah. They got married in the pandemic. He mm. said he loved to go for a run. He read books that, you know, I mean, not many people here have seen our house, but we have floor to ceiling of book. And some of them were really long. So he read every morning and every evening. He loved playing video games. He really loved to come home and sit on the couch with me and the dogs and watch reruns of Grey's Anatomy. Aww. Ironic, kind of. He sounds so sweet. Right? Like, he was just doing his little... I Like, from what they said, this is like kind of his second life. You know what I mean? Like, he right. had like... What was like, his first career? I don't know. Well, he was an addict, an alcoholic or some sort of addict and in a toxic relationship. So it sounds right. like he had a really bad 10-year bender. Right. And in, then, in New York. And then he got Down to, to get, Florida. And then he got himself together. And then yeah, had the worst like, fucking opponent possible. Made a nice a, community for himself. Yeah. It's a simple civil suit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you'd think if you're a criminal defense attorney or right. you're a prosecutor. Because family law, they're usually dealing with like a lot of shit that the attorneys that work in that are really civil because they know that they have to work with the person day in, day out for a long time. And that in civil law, they're actually really unhinged. Like they get more aggressive and like that. Oh, interesting. But he said with like, each other, you're saying, with the lawyers. With the lawyers. So the counsel in family law is civil. Yeah. And the counsel in civil law. Uncivil. Uncivil. Like families, basically. <laughs> yeah. But even then, Jake Blanchard said like, even though you, you would say like that they're uncivil, like as a joke, it was never. It's never really, murder. It was never personal. It was like motion play. Like 
like if your deadline was August 30th, August 31st, midnight and one minute, they're filing a motion against you like that. They're not like it wasn't a personal thing. It was that they would be like vicious and kind of aggressive in the law, but not right. really personally. Right. Which was uh, Tom's whole thing. Also, Jake Pillsbury said that I forgot to add this, that another reason Tom kind of had this whole thing about Steve was that he believed that Steve was falsifying documents in the civil lawsuit. Oh. And he had filed a bunch of motions about it and brought it before a judge. The details of it are basically Tom was requesting these invoice dates from his old boss, like his old employer, right. like these invoices from patients that are down. And Steve was trying to get them for him, whatever. Eventually, Steve gets him the invoices and the dates are not the same dates as what Tom has on record of like the patients getting surgery. But what it was is that the employer didn't have original copy. So they would have to go like basically reprint these invoices. So and it would have they, the print date. It would have the, the print date. date instead of the invoice date. So he was filing all these motions. But Jake Pillsbury says, even if that was true, that these documents were falsified, it wouldn't be Steve that was doing it. Right. It would be his employer. old employer. Weird. Yeah. Very weird. His and fixation on Steve is very weird. It was weird. Did they have like, maybe he can like plead mad cow disease or insanity or something? Like so stupid. He told the court that Steve was guilty of forgery. This is what he said, like that the court was super, gave him so much leeway. Like the fact that a judge would even entertain that was like ridiculous to Jake Pills. Right. So anyway, after those four testimonies, remember the prosecution has the burden of proof. So they bring out these four people to talk about like what all happened from start to end. And also they submitted a bunch of affidavits from like police officers and mm -hmm. like all crime the evidence. Season, all evidence. Yeah. They brought it, everything. And then they said like two things need to be proved, like or not two things, but like a couple things need to be proved. And he's like, one of the things that we were proving by bringing these people to speak is that he's a danger to the community because community is like defined as more like more than three people who aren't related or connected in any way. And he brought four people who aren't related or connected oh. and said they all four felt danger if Tom was released. That's interesting. He said that. Right. The prosecution was on point. The prosecution was on point. And what's so funny is that Tom came in. The prosecution had two attorneys. Tom came in with five. And what I saw was like he has three different law firms that filed notices of appearance, basically a notice that they're representing him in the criminal case, meaning he has three different law firms representing him all at once. He had five lawyers there. Is there a video of this here? There's like the news was there and they right. released like snippets. So you can see like But what, you have the whole transcript. These are the transcripts, but the full video is not on the docket. But you could see like if you look it up, you could see like the people's faces and what they look like, like what Jake Pillsbury looks like, what Jake Blanchard. Okay, so they waived a speedy trial. Because what does that mean? Speedy trial means that it, it'll happen fast. You have a right to a speedy trial. It's one of your right. 10. But you can waive it, meaning you can push it off. Yeah, like you get like a normal lane trial. Like it'll ha happen when the court has time and when the right. counsels have time. So you'll just sit in jail. Yeah. So so typically, <laughs> if you're denied bail, you want a speedy trial. If, you if think, you're innocent. If you're innocent because you <laughs> want to fucking innocent. get out. Yeah. But if you're denied bail, you don't want that speedy trial. Because <laughs> if you were denied bail, like there's a reason. Right. Yeah. So you don't want that speedy trial. So Tom was denied bail. So the court said the prosecution brought proof and the defendant does not have a right to pretrial release. Now the defense comes up to try to like prove that Tom can be held, like he could be released and also like isolated from the community and the community would be safe and all this stuff. And their defense was like so fucking, they brought no testimony, nothing. They were just like, he owns a house. He, up until now, he has no criminal record and he's a plastic surgeon. <laughs> That's literally what his defense said. Wow. They don't listen to our podcast. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and then the prosecution has a chance to rebuttal. His defense was like, he owns his house clean and clear. I mean, he owes no money on his house. Like he owns it. So I guess they were trying to show that he's like a good citizen who pays his bills and all this stuff, whatever. Uh -huh. And the prosecution was like, no, 
now he owns his house when they went to his house they found like a hundred guns or something like that they found like crazy amounts of guns oh they said that like in cash he had way over like a million dollars they're like he definitely had the means to run and not just that the polish passport which would allow him to never come back so they were like the fact that he's a plastic surgeon with money owns his house clean and clear is not great for him if anything it's right. bad right so then the judge is like yep no bail sorry and then the thank defense. you judge so he yeah. sits in jail today yes this he's in very jail day this very day he is in jail when, when was, is a trial when so, was he denied bail when was that maybe august or august. end of july okay the pre-trial conference is for october something okay so it's it's pretty soon yeah so we'll have a update well, for you guys then after the pre-trial conference i think also we should get adam barda here oh i've yes, seen adam barda doing the the rounds yeah we on, could yeah, we adam could, barda was a friend of his yeah he, said we he could, partied at his house he knew his friends yeah. i don't know i saw his interview the news called him tom's best friend and i was like i'm not sure i would let any news publication like say that about me <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying what did he say he's like he's I like, remember he said like i need to wait for more information to come out i i remember that i remember when it first broke i called adam we texted back and forth and adam was convinced it's impossible before the evidence came out before we knew about the surveillance tapes right. adam was like this is crazy he must be framed this is nuts there's n- i know the guy's super sweet he's got a dog i've been in his house a bunch of times he was a hundred percent convinced they had the wrong man and then once the evidence started coming it took about a week or so and adam's like he must have snapped because right. <laughs> the evidence is so adam we're gonna call you i just soon. wanted to say like i just don't understand like the only thing that makes sense in my mind as to like how he thought he could get away is like i feel like he was hinging on the fact that there was no body yeah but even the disposal the body was slopped like it yeah. wasn't like, like a there well... were some witnesses i mean you could have gone to the Everly and burn it on a pyre like nobody will see you, know, you just he didn't clean his car he didn't he clean didn't... his car it's just so fucking crazy and how he didn't like escape. how like what and he didn't escape didn't es- <laughs> when something is airport, so... so fly to some other airport oh you know and what... then buy a ticket to, to poland you know what his defense said about the fact that the polish passport they said he was in miami if he wanted to disappear he would have gotten on a boat on a 90 mile boat ride to cuba <laughs> That's what his defense said. They were like, he could have just gone to Cuba if he really wanted to escape. I think he really wanted to escape. He just thought he had more time than he did. Yeah. Because he didn't respond but to like, the police. But like, why wait? Like, I don't know. He had some business in Miami. It's so not... Maybe it's he's so planning not, his next murder. It's so not surgical. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Meander. for him, he just like didn't... First of all, the lady catching him in the breaker room was something he could not have accounted for. But also the fact that he showed up like bare face and casual clothes, like very recognizable to be in a breaker room planting fucking later evidence is like also oh sloppy. Yeah, he could have also pushed off the murder then once she saw him yeah i could have come up with a different plan also yeah at his place of work like that makes no sense like that seems also like all the blood like that seems like so crime of passiony and it, it was wasn't, premeditated it wasn't passion it makes no sense like that's why i'm saying maybe he has like mad cow disease if he used that paralyzing agent in his brain if he used that paralyzing agent what was the point of using that if you were going to make a mess in the bathroom anyway like i feel like that would have been used so that no, you could just choke them out thank you for uh that update on his his bail hearing. Tom Kozowski was denied bail and he is still in prison. Dr. Tom Kozowski, valedictorian Dartmouth. Also, you you would think that someone who like has all these achievements and is fighting to keep the reputation, it's because you want to continue, right? And like, wouldn't you think that this is going to put an end? Like, he thought he was eating. Like, he really thought he was eating. <laughs> Alright, well, he is in jail, in prison, awaiting trial. Next update will probably be in October and we will keep you all posted. Wait, you know what also they 
they found on his phone. What? Sorry, this is the last thing that we'll close out. They found that he was looking at like whatever county, I can't remember whatever county it was like arrest warrant. Like he was looking at the time that the police were looking into him. He was looking to see who they were looking for. Like oh. who they had arrest warrant for. Oh wow. And, he they, and do, they still caught I, him. And they still caught him. So he knew that they were looking for him? No, he no. was looking to see like on Almost police. like a police scanner. Like to right, see. But but, like, do they do like, that? Don't. Do what, they, why would they post that publicly? I guess he was seeing who was if he was a person of interest and he was trying to keep he was keeping tabs on the case but not well enough and no yeah, he failed he failed <laughs> so we'll give you the well, next up thank you everybody for tuning in we'll be back next week with a new crime and a new plastic and thank you again for tuning in yeah. have a great we day we love you thank you for listening bye, bye. bye.